Hello everyone, welcome back to the Watchful Nights Week in Review. My name is Ishiv, or at the Watchful Knight on Instagram, or just Watchful Knight on Letterboxd. Um, you guys know how this works. I'm going to go through the movies that I watched this past week, adding a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar. And today, instead of five movies to watch when I will be going through my top 22 movies of 2022, because um, I think I'll have a little more time uh, this episode. Um, and the last thing, of course, is to keep letting me know what you're liking, what you're not liking, so I can improve the next episodes. So I forgot to mention this last week, but um, I'm going to start also talking about the shows that I'm watching and like where I am. So I started Twin Peaks The Return this week. I watched the first episode, and I can say that it's already much weirder than uh, the original Twin Peaks are. I also feel like nostalgia is not going to be a aim for this TV show, which is quite nice. I'm so excited to see where that goes. And then I'm in like, I think, six or seven episodes into Silicon Valley. Um, so far, I'm liking it. I think it's it capitalizes on the type of humor that I like. It's very office-like, but set in modern times. Um, and I do hope they move a bit faster in the coming seasons with the story, um, because it's not like a type of sitcom where you... Or it's not a sitcom, actually, but it's not the type of show that you watch... Uh, episodes here and there so hoping to see how that transpires a bit more and i've also been watching whose line is it anyway with some of my meals um it's one of my favorite shows i think like maybe one of my favorites is stretching it but i, I find that show really fun to watch okay so i watched five movies this five movies this past week so not a lot of them um but i will as always expand on four the first movie I watched was Psycho, um, released in 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Janet Leigh, Anthony Perkins, and Vera Miles. And this received a seven, eight, sorry, an 8.4 out of 10. I don't want to talk about this movie in detail because I feel like anything that I'm going to say is not going to be new, and you've probably heard about it being talked about a lot. Um, so I would definitely recommend this movie. Watching this again, I had to watch it for one of my film classes, and this movie is just so good, even by today's standards, even though you've, you've seen this story done to death, um, and sometimes in better scenarios, but I think this still really holds up, so I do recommend it, it's an awesome movie that still holds up today, and it could be a really good way for you to get into, like, older stuff, because it is very modern, and we actually talked about how this movie kind of defined the modern era in Hollywood, so or kind of signify the change, so I would definitely recommend this movie. Okay, so then I watched one of my most anticipated movies of last year, um, but then like after it came out, it became less and less anticipated because of its mixed reviews, but it's Babylon, um, released in 2022, directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, and Diego Calva. Um, it's, about, it's about Hollywood, uh, in the 1920s, right before the first talkie, and then right after that and during that, um, it's bathed in drugs and sex. It follows like follows these two characters, Nellie and Manny, as they try to make it big in the movies in the late 1920s, and their struggles to adapt to the talkies after that, when they are introduced, and then it also tracks alongside um, Jack Conrad 
who is played by Brad Pitt, and he's a current movie superstar that tries to find his place in the changing times. Okay, so I've had like a very mixed feelings about this movie, but I think it ultimately does win me over. So what I liked about this movie, there's three things that I think are completely solid about this movie. The first thing is the cast. The acting is amazing. Margot Robbie especially has this like sort of unbridled energy to her. And that is that is awesome. Like she steals the scene. Uh, she steals the show each time she's on screen. I also really like Diego Calva in this movie. Um, I think he really resembles like the innocence that can be misplaced and that's really cool and Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt's character is essentially Leo's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but more but less of an alcohol no sorry um not as erratic uh but he's essentially the same person um and he pulls it off really well the production design is crazy i don't know if you saw my oscar predictions and picks but this is my pick for production design i think it's really great it really makes you feel like that you are part of this world and it and it makes this behind the scenes aspect of hollywood even better than the movies that they're shooting um, which is really cool and of course the score is awesome by justin Hurwitz. he kills it again so so much energy in that score and then you have the more somber tracks um later on which also really work and then some parts of this movie really worked for me i think there is a part right after you see the title card um there's like an hour or 45 minutes that really worked for me I thought that one scene when they're like darting back and forth in terms of the film sets for each of the three characters, that that really worked for me. And then there was a when the when it started, it starts getting like pretty dark, um, which I didn't expect it to get, but like it it, it starts to get really um, really somber, very uh, sad, very tragic in many ways. Um, and that part really worked for me. Like, that's very much uh, Damien Giselle. Um, and then it obviously, you know, makes the most uh, reverent yet in-your-face statement of how amazing Hollywood is and its movies um, to the average Joe and to people in general. So, yeah, that was pretty That's, like, what the whole ending is about, which is nice. So what I didn't like about this movie, some parts of this movie I really didn't like. Some parts are very annoying, very unnecessary, and a product of someone just trying to fit it in there to the, like for just shocking people and awing people that didn't really work. So like the first half an hour didn't work for me at all. Like that first party scene, that 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 didn't work for me. Um, and then the middle part, which is like right after that hour that I'm talking about, and before like the decline it was just kind of aimless not a lot of ha not a lot of stuff happening we get introduced into some really interesting subplots that never plan pan out to anything and yeah so and that yeah and then i would say that the comedy in this movie is so misplaced and and relied far too much on the sex aspects where like the jokes would be making fun of boners and so sometimes i felt like it was written by a middle school boy like this is the type of stuff that they would find funny and by no means is it witty or anything so that's my feelings on that and then for how long and big and epic this movie is supposed to feel and it does feel like that it it doesn't like put 
things in its proper place, and by that I mean like the, the, the bare bones of the plot. It had me checking my watch. I, I think I checked my watch three times in this movie, and that's not a good thing. And not to say that I was bored, I just was checking to see how much we've gone and how much we had left to, to expect something new, not because I was getting bored out of my mind. Like, that never happened. Um, but it's still not something that you want in a movie. But at the end of the day, I would still recommend it. It got a 7.1 out of 10. It is not the best thing Damien Chazelle has done. It's In fact, it's likely his worst movie yet. Um, but it is still pretty bonkers, and it's something you, you need to watch in the theater. So I would, I would recommend it. Okay, then... Then on Thursday night, I watched The Thin Red Line... Released in 1998, directed by Terrence Malick, starring Sean Penn, Jim Caviezel, and Nick Nolte, and a lot of other people. Woody Harrelson's in this movie, Adrian Brody's in this movie, John Cusack is in this movie, and it's received a 7.5 out of 10. It's uh, focusing on the conflict at the Guadalcanal in World War II, and it tracks this group of soldiers as they all convey sorry about that, as they all convey their perspectives on war, innocence, and redemption. So what I liked about this movie is that it had a very unique premise in which you get a complete picture of everyone who's involved. Uh, they like they pass the voiceovers. I thought that was really cool. When um, you start off, Jim Caviezel is talking in the voiceover, and you think this story is going to be through his perspective, and then it switches to Nick Nolte's, and he's and he is talking about how he hasn't received promotion. Like then you have context for him, and then it goes on. It does the flashbacks when it needs to for certain characters. So I really thought that aspect was very unique and definitely made this movie a lot more compelling. The cinematography obviously is really good. Um, the music is fantastic. Hans Zimmer does really do well with that one theme, Journey to the Line. And it kind of made me realize that he's like always been working to the Dunkirk score. I know he considers Interstellar, and I do too, his best work, but I feel like Dunkirk was his thesis statement on film scoring. And there's so many traces of that in this movie. Uh, the the actual battle scenes are pretty well done, uh, and the ending is very poetic in a very Terence Mel Malikian, <laughs> ter very Terence Maliki way. Um, it makes the whole experience very nice. So what I didn't like about this movie is that I consistently kept thinking while I was watching it, if it didn't have the perspective shifting thing, or like the voiceover thing, it would be a very very basic war movie, like completely bare bones. Everything that a war movie, everything that's about cliche about a war movie, this is what the movie would be like. And it, and it comes across certain times when, when stuff takes a step back. And it, and it's just not that interesting. Um, and then I think the performances, they're good. Obviously, they, they, you come around to them, but it's they're not as compelling. Um, so yeah, those are the two main things. Would I recommend it? Yes, I think it has really interesting characters, and for sure, and a very vibrant um, look to it. it. It also really reminded me if, if you know, it's probably a really big extrapolation, but if Apocalypse Now 
was designed to calm you down instead of like rattle you like that's how this movie is composed um so i would recommend it yes okay then i watched bonnie and clyde a movie that i also have to watch for class but has been on my watch list for a long time uh this movie was released in 1967 it's directed by arthur penn excuse me starring warren Beatty, faye dunway and gene hackman uh, it follows a bored wait- waitress, Bonnie, who falls in love with an ex-con named, you guessed it, Clyde, and together they start uh, a violent crime spree through the country, robbing banks and stealing cars and killing people who get in their way. This received a 7.5 out of 10. Oh, sorry. Uh, Thin Red Line also received a 7.5 out of 10, but actually Bonnie and Clyde received a 7.6 out of 10. I misspoke. So what I liked about this movie, I really, really enjoyed how much this was a road trip movie, but also a gangster movie and also a western. I think all of them combined really worked, and it's definitely with that aspect of it was definitely on the filmmaker's mind because you have this really great western type score. You have this idea of a road trip where a lot of the scenes transformational scenes for each of the characters take place in the car and then them dealing with it outside of the car and then obviously it is a it's a gangster movie um yeah and then i really like the beginning of this movie and i really like the ending the beginning is very explosive like it gets cut straight into the action and then the end really brings it home um putting into perspective all that you've seen and the editing the editing I have here the editing and the cinematography, but the editing is very sharp and very, very in your face, but not to the point, like, to, for, for good reason. Um, so it's bringing back a lot of your attention to the movie. So what I didn't like about the movie, I found it kind of hard to, to focus in the middle because it became very aimless and there's very little development. There's, yeah, yeah, I just found it hard. There's nothing else to say about that, but yeah, I just found it hard to pay attention in the middle, and the dialogue is not bad. It's just okay, and I feel like this is the type of movie where you would come away with some really great dialogue, and that's that doesn't happen. But would I recommend it? Yes, it is one of Hollywood's landmark films. Um, it's kind of the one that introduced violence to this degree. So there's a lot of history behind it, so that's also why you should watch it. But also, it's a really good time. By no means is it a waste of time. Um, it's a it's a good movie uh, in itself. Okay, then I watched Once Upon a Time in the West right after. I watched Bonnie and Clyde. This movie was released in 1968. Oh, whoa. Bonnie and Clyde was 67. This movie was 68. That's cool. Uh, it's directed by Sergio Leone, of course, starring Claudia Cardinale, Henry Fonda, and Jason Robards. This received an 8.4 out of 10. Um, a Mysterious Stranger. Uh, sorry, it follows a mysterious stranger with a harmonica. His name is literally harmonica in this movie. Who joins force with a notorious, you know, desperado type guy to protect a, a widow from this ruthless assassin that's working for this railroad company. Yeah, so what I liked about this movie, I cannot emphasize this enough, is the score 
this movie is literally in service to its score. Ennio Morcone kills it in this movie. You are always waiting for that crescendo. And yeah, this was a week for good scores. You have Once Upon a Time in the West. You have Babylon. You have The Thin Red, Thin Red Line. Hans Zimmer actually based his track Parley in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End from this, from the Once Upon a Time in the West harmonica score. And it's great. And yeah, that's the score is what makes it's what gives this movie a lot of life. So that's great. Um, the other thing is that Leono Leone <laughs> Leone really knows how to hold on scenes um, to the point where they don't become pretentious or like self-indulgent, but they, he holds on them for very for tension and for building relationships. Like that opening scene with the opening credits and then uh, when the train arrives that that scene is so well done and then when how this widow becomes a window widow you see that happen too and that scene is extremely well done so the comp the f opening um of this movie is probably my favorite thing about this movie uh the relationships between the characters develop very well it has so many v like iconographic western spaghetti western moments that you just want to capture and uh and the ending of course you know leonie really does those these huge cinematic endings and what i really enjoyed about this movie is that as much as it is about these three people it is also about settling in the west and and making something of yourself in the west um and then the conflicts that that ensue um, also, I have to mention that Henry Fonda is really great as the bad guy. So yeah, I, I, I liked a lot about this movie. Um, so what I didn't like about this movie is that the story could have had more development and the acting isn't always good. There's some issues with the dubbing as well, but those are pretty minor. So I would recommend it. Is It is a more thoughtful Leone Western. If you are not a... I, I do like The Good, The Bad, The Ugly more. Because I think it's more entertaining, and it's so I think it's a better movie as well. But this one is a much more thoughtful one, where it's not like three random dudes <laughs> running around trying to find something. It's it's this one that feels much more directed than the good, the bad, the ugly. So that's why I would recommend it. It also entered my top one hundred. It is now my ninety third favorite movie of all time. So yeah, that's also why you should watch it. So yeah, so those are the movies that I watched this past week. Um, and the movie to keep on your radar is obviously Babylon. That movie is bonkers, it's crazy, it'll ultimately win you over. Um, yeah, and it has this energy to it where like you feel enlivened when you're watching it in certain scenes. Um, but you know, when after you if when you watch it, just when the Tobey Maguire scene comes up, if any of you can tell me what they were doing there, please do. I thought that scene was really weird and not necessary, but do let me know if you figure out why it's there. I mean, I know why to a certain degree, but it didn't make its case enough for me. So yeah, that's the way to keep on your radar, though. Babylon is it's it's a good it's a good movie. I would recommend it. You should go watch it in the theater especially. 
Okay, so I thought instead of the five movies to watch when, I would do my top 22 movies of 2022. Uh, because the Oscar nominations just came out, you can see my Instagram page for my opinions on those. And this will be a good way for you guys to catch up on any of the other movies that you've missed this past year. And give me the opportunity to talk about some movies um, as well. Okay. So coming in at number 22, you have the Michael Bay movie Ambulance, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Aitza Gonzalez, and Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Um, this is just a fun action movie. I didn't expect it to be this high when I first watched it. Um, it's basically speed, uh, Michael Bay's speed, um, and it's good. It's, it's fun. It does everything that you want it to do. Um, it doesn't overstep its boundaries. It doesn't think it's going to be the next great thing. It doesn't also overstay its welcome. It knows exactly how to pace a good action scene. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal has this kind of unhinged, funny thing going for him. Um, So yeah, I would recommend watching Ambulance. Coming in at number 21, we have Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, A movie that I'm so glad worked as well as it did. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I like it. Uh... They still have some issues with the way that the action is in this movie, and the story itself is kind of easy. Um, but I get what the, what sort of predicament they were in. So, and yeah, the acting is really great. You know, Angela Bassett getting those nominations and awards for best supporting actress. She really does deserve it. Not as deserving as some other supporting actresses, but I'm glad she is in the mix. Coming at number 20, we have Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness, a movie that is also, well, I guess if you've been religiously keeping track of stuff, it's not surprising, but it's surprising to me that how much uh, the Oscars are adoring this movie. Uh, I think Triangle of Sadness, it's a movie that has stayed pretty constant in my head. The more I think about it, my thoughts about it have stayed the same, Um, but it's a very great social critique. Um, some people are finding it really funny, so you might as well. I don't think it's that funny. And, yeah, it's, it's great where it takes this concept, which is nice. Coming in at number 19, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, a movie that got a lot of attention from the Oscars. I think it's nominated for nine categories? For some, like, really random ones as well that doesn't need, it doesn't need to be there. Um, but I think that this is a it's a hardcore war movie. Again, it's kind of my issue with the thin red line. If it didn't have that aspect to it, is it's very run of the mill, um, but it's run of the mill in a in a good way. It's like they smoothed everything out. You know, it's a good movie. Okay, coming at number eighteen, we have Babylon. Uh, nothing to say about that that I haven't said already. Yeah. Coming at number 17 is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. This movie, I felt like when it, you know, first it came out, people were liking it. And then as people saw it later and later, it's kind of decreased and people are liking it. Where I feel like the consensus is now that it's not a good movie. I still, I still really liked it. I think it's a movie that understands my generation and the other people in it better than other movies out there than most movies out there for example there's another movie that came out this year called senior year starring rebel wilson and that 
that movie is so like the 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 source of their information about our generation is not talking to people from our generation it's like them finding internet things about gen z which is kind of ironic when you think about it because they're making a movie making a movie about how hyper obsessed we are with the digital age when they and it's themselves found that information through digital means i think it gets very hypocritical um with some of these movies but i think bodies 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 and it's a type of movie where you can you accept and you accept the critique because it co- it's coming from a genuine place like you're like okay this movie understands who we are as people and therefore i'm more willing to accept what it's saying that is bad about us um so yeah there's a lot of discourse about how all of these characters are unlikable i think that is completely the point um that is exactly what this movie is going for uh so yeah i think i think this movie is pretty good um so yeah go watch that uh then you have guillermo del toro's pinocchio coming at number 16 this movie has some of the best stop and motion animation ever no one will fight that at all um and it tells a very nice story i think some of the songs are a bit misplaced or mishandled is probably a better term and it in sometimes it does get too like la di da di da type um and then it gets very guillermo del toro-y so there's kind of a disconnect there but i still think it's it's the best animated movie that i've seen this year but i haven't seen marcel the shell or puss in boots which i'm so surprised is doing as well as it is i feel like this movie is going to be too overhyped when i watched it when i watch when i eventually do watch it but yeah i'm excited Coming in at number 15, we have Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All, starring Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell, and a chilling performance by Mark Rylance. Um, I gave my extended thoughts on this last week. I think it's a very it's a very romantic movie at its core. There's some issues with its shock and awe pieces of it, uh, and some issues with the plot like the bare bone mechanics of it but i think it's a good movie otherwise um as well so i would recommend bones and all even though yeah keep in mind it is it's pretty pretty gruesome coming in at number 14 is the menu uh directed by mark mylid starring ray fine anya taylor joy and nicholas holt this is the type of movie it's like the easiest movie to recommend people recommend to people because it's a and it's like a one it's the type of movie that where if you do recommend it to someone even if they don't like it they'll respect your recommendation because it's you know it's very unique it's, it has a very accessible way into like the eat the rich sort of thing like this is like your feeler before you get into triangle of sadness or you get into something like parasite even like this is the the feeler into that genre which is a it has literally become a genre the eat the rich social commentary comedy um, and it, it's quite enjoyable. There's some issues I have with, again, the mechanics of the plot. Um, but yeah, it's number 14 for a reason. I really enjoyed this movie. Okay, so coming in at number 13, we have The Batman. And this is kind of the only reason I wanted to do my top 22 
of 2022 because I want to talk about this movie again. Uh, when I first watched this movie, I really liked it. I gave it an 8.1 out of 10. I haven't seen it again, so I can't really adjust that without having watched it again. But this movie is the one that the more and more I think about it, the worse and worse it gets for me. Um, there's so many things about this movie that just didn't turn up working as well as I as I initially thought. But at the same time, as that's going through my head, it's a miracle how good this movie was. So that's why it is a number 13. I, I still think it's, it's a great movie, uh, and it's a good one, too. So, yeah, The Batman is not number 13. Coming in at number 12 is Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, a movie that has such polar polarizing opinions, especially from people in my generation, that it's so funny how much hype it was getting in, in its festival run. Um, I think it's fun. I, I think it's very harmless fun. Um, nowhere near has the gravitas or the sophistication of the first one. But, you know, it's it's doing its, like, genre-bending as its... Um, genre bending def definition thing um that ryan johnson's good at doing i think a lot of also issues people have this movie is like how on the nose it is with its current like its current day references and that's true it, like you know obviously edward norton's elon musk and they make movies about among us uh, jokes about among us and stuff so that's true but it's like is it more on the nose and something like Triangle of Sadness, like that movie, like that movie is Don't Look Up, like a better version of Don't Look Up, um, but still has one of the worst parts of Don't Look Up, of just how in your face they are trying to make stuff. So I feel like the Glass Onion is, Glass Onion is in, in that realm. But it's a good movie. I, I recommend watching it. Coming at number 11 is RRR, a movie that is, you know, kind of silly. There's some moments where I, you know, we rolled our eyes, but it kept our attention. We were always entertained. It was uh, so much fun to watch this movie. And we watched, yeah, it was so much fun. My sister, I remember, she had to, she wanted to do work in this movie because she was originally disinterested in it so that we could watch something afterwards. And she ended up doing like 10 minutes of it because she was so into this movie. So that speaks volumes for that what that movie is. I'm so glad it's getting the recognition it deserves. Coming in at number 10, we have Decision to Leave, directed by Park Chan-wook, which, you know, got snubbed with by Best International Feature. I also think it should have been nominated for Best Director. Um, so I'm kind of pissed about that, but I think it's one of the most romantic movies released in the past year and a really great thriller and taking inspiration some of the best film noirs from Fatales, all that jazz. Coming in at number nine is The Northman. The Northman is kind of a movie where I was where I was kind of on the fence of it like actually saying something other than it being this horror action movie. But then the more and more I think about The Northman, like the more it stayed in my brain. Um and so yeah, this movie is great. I would watch it. It's very savage, um, but I would definitely watch The Northman. Coming at number eight is 13 Lives, probably with one of the best 
fact-based dramas that we've had in a long time. Uh, it's very well directed. I think it also has really good visual effects, and the actors do a good job as well. Very clinical in its approach, though. Coming in at number seven, we have Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, a movie that I've, like, out of all of them, except maybe as well Tar, is a movie that I want to watch again. And it feels like a movie that I would want to have in my catalog to rewatch because it's so easy to put on, but it's also just that good. Coming in at number six, we have Gangubai Kartiyavadi, um, Sanjali Pansali's return to form in terms of taking a smaller story with a smaller lens on a character and then expanding that out um, with Alia Bhatt's best performance. Yeah, and it should have been in the contending for every award, including the Oscars. So yeah. Then we have number five, Top Gun Maverick, one of the best technical achievements of the past five years, a movie that I get excited about. Every time I hear the theme, coming in at number four, we have Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger. Probably the biggest surprise I had this year in terms of how much I liked it, how much this movie is saying, as well as how much of a roller coaster ride it is. Coming in at number three is Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, directed by Todd Field. One of the movies where where you are in charge of the narrative as much as the characters are. And that is very, very cool. And it has really great... There's like one, that extended take. That's also the best scene in the movie, but when she's in the classroom, that is amazing. Coming in number two is probably the most like hyped up, excited about movie this award season. And it's everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm so glad this movie is getting the recognition. Um, a movie that is off the wall, crazy, a movie that is very, very personal, saying really big philosophical uh, statements, and then also all the while being a very entertaining action family drama um, with some really great performances. Ki Hui Kwan is in full, uh, he deserves every award he's won fully. And then coming at number one, we have the Banshees of Inner Sharon, Martin McDonough's latest, starring Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleason. This movie kind of I'm so glad I went into this not knowing anything about the how this movie transpires, because it's just such a unique experience. Everything about it you can look deeper into and you will get it. But something about this movie also feels very genuine, very unpretentious, very authentic in terms of what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do um so it makes for the best movie that i saw in 2022 now notably i have not seen woman talking women sorry women talking the whale marcel the shell with shoes on puss in boots the last wish and vikram veda so those could be on the list but they are not Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and me going through my top 22. I think that was more helpful than the five movies to watch when. I actually also watched Patan today, but that is on next week's episode, and you know, you'll hear about that. Um, precursor, <laughs> it wasn't good. Um, and then, yeah, that's about it. I will see you guys next week.